52 years ago when I started my journey with Christ. As a seven-year-old, I, I had no idea how radically my life would change. I had no idea that my life was really going to be turned upside down as a, as a seven-year-old deciding to follow Jesus. And so when people started to teach me in Sunday school that I could actually talk to God, that just really just kind of blew my mind. When you grow up in an abusive home, you, are, you have a different perspective on life. It skews a lot of things. It rearranges the way that you accept information. So when Sunday school teachers and other people started to teach me that you could have this daily conversation with God, I couldn't comprehend this. Not just because I was seven, but because of the relationship that I had with my dad. What is this thing called prayer? How do I pray? What words do I use? How often can I bug God during the day? See, for a seven-year-old who's been abused, that's a very important question. Because you, you didn't ask dad questions. You were, you were quiet. You were silent. You hid, if you could. So the whole concept of prayer to me as a seven-year-old was just, what are you talking about? That I could pray to this God. That I could converse with him daily. That I could tell him anything. That I could, oh my goodness, ask him anything. And he would do it for me. I had no concept of that. I could not ask my father those questions. There was just no way to without receiving a back of a hand. Thousands upon thousands of prayers later in my journey with Christ, 52 years later, I've discovered something about prayer. Thankfully. And I'm still discovering this wonderful thing, this wonderful thing called prayer, and what this prayer really is, and what it really involves. Prayer is all about love. Richard Foster says this wonderful quote about prayer is one of my favorite quotes about prayer. It says, true prayer is not gritting your teeth. It's falling in love. It's not about gritting your teeth. It's about falling in love. Father, this morning we want to fall in love with you again. 
and again. And again. We need you. We desperately need you this morning. So we do pray to you. We do ask you to come right now and that you would first empty me of me so that your words, your heart, your spirit, your purposes come forth so that all of us can understand what you're trying to to teach us today, what you're trying to get us to understand, what you're, you're trying to get us to receive and embrace about yourself, about your character, about your heart about what you want for us. So, Father, I ask that indeed you would do that. You would open all our hearts. Man, just pour into it everything, everything that we need this morning. Please do this for us. Holy Spirit, come. Minister to us as we minister to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would work your way to uh, Luke chapter 11, that's where we're going to spend some time today. If the pastor can, can uh, control himself. Luke 11, of course, contains one of the Lord's Prayer. The other one's in uh, Matthew. This one's a little bit of a shorter version. It's a uh, different place, a different situation. But there's something about this beginning that I just love. (sighs) Verse 1, it says, And it happened as he was praying in a certain place. You know, sometimes the Bible is so specific about where Jesus is praying. And this seems kind of like out of place to me. As it was happening, he was praying in a certain place. Almost like Luke forgot where he was praying. Or it was a secret place. I tend to think that the place is not important at this, at this juncture. That what's important is the people involved. When he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. A couple of things here. One of his disciples, I get the feeling that this is not one of the twelve. This might be a newcomer. This might be a new follower of Jesus. It might be one of the hundred. It doesn't say, but it doesn't sound like it's one of the twelve because it seems a little bit unfamiliar with Jesus' teaching. Sounds like he's a new guy on the block. But he's been doing something. He's been watching Jesus pray. He's been paying attention to what Jesus is doing because immediately as Jesus finishes, he's ready with this question. He's eager to have this, this question answered. Lord, teach us to pray. And that's what I found beautiful about this, really, this whole passage. 
this is a picture to me of a hungry heart. Of a heart that's thirsty to know God. This is a prayer request. Lord, teach me to pray. And I think that that whole prayer request of teach us to pray, is, it sets the tone of our relationship with God. You know, one of the meanings for the word pray here, also it means to ask, it, it means to request, but it means to exchange one's wishes. The whole idea is that in our interaction with God, in our communion with God, we exchange our wishes for His. We exchange our desires, our wants, our plans, our purposes. We exchange them for something higher than ours. As we do this, as this exchange is happening, he imparts himself, his, self, his faithfulness into it so that we know that our request has been heard. We exchange our wishes. When we pray. That is an attitude of worship. Prayer becomes an exchange of love between God and creation. and becomes a, a moment of worship for us. That's why it's all about love. Because it's about worship. Teach us to pray is inviting the Master into our lives. Okay, let's read in verse 2. It says, And he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father, who is in heaven, how would be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, as it is in heaven, and so also on earth. You know, I find prayer is this great invitation on so many levels. And this is an invitation to know Jesus' heart here. And it's been always in the heart of Jesus for us to know the Father. And so he says, our Father. He's ours. He's our Father. This great God chooses To be our dad. To be our father. To, to desire to be such an important part of our life that he is willing to identify himself as father to us. Our father. Our father. To a Jewish mind, this was unheard of. This was not the way they approached God. As father, this was this was mind blowing to a Jewish to a Jewish follower. It was crazy talk to to be that familiar with God, to be that close, to be that personal with God, to call him father, Abba, father, daddy, father. It's beautiful. It's beautiful what Jesus is expressing here. That word, our, also strikes me. Our Father. 
That word means company or group, and it expresses a community, a family. We approach God together as our Father. It denotes a family. It talks about being together, about being a family together, approaching God, not just as individuals. It's important to know God as Father as an individual, but it's also important to know that He's our Father. A family, together, following Christ, signifying that we belong to Father. It's beautiful. Our Father. Our Father who is in heaven. That word means the abode of God. Now we're invited into a heavenly perspective. We proclaim that our interest, our thoughts, bless you, our wishes, all those things, we trade them in for His. His are higher. He's exalted. His are sacred. His are more important. Not that ours are unimportant. But His is supreme. His is sovereign. His is over ours. He's in heaven. He's higher than us. But this is a mindset direction. This is is to have a mindset of seeing like God sees. Our Father who is in heaven. This is an invitation to see things like He sees. Colossians 3.2 says this, To set your mind, exercise, focus, on things that are above and not things that are on earth. We trade in the way we think for the way God thinks. It's an invitation to have our mindset change. How would be your name? This is a proclamation of God's holiness, majesty, and power. This is beautiful. This is an invitation to a holy place. And why is that important? It's a place that has never been occupied by a human being before. We've been invited to somewhere really special. The presence of God. Think about that. Prior to this, this did not happen. Prior to Jesus showing up on the scene, this did not happen. One person, once a year, got to go into the holies of holies. And if he wasn't right, he didn't make it out of there alive. But now Jesus is saying, you can come into the presence of God, the holy God, the righteous God, the all-powerful God, the one who is holy, pure, and clean above everything that there is. And you not only survive, you thrive. You become more alive. There is no more separation. There is no distance. We can be up close and personal. And the beauty of all that is that because we're in His presence, we are made holy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. First Peter 1.15 But just as He who has called you holy, so be holy in all you do. That word holy again is set apart. We've been set apart. We've been chosen. We've been made ceremonially pure. Because of the blood of Jesus, we have been invited into the Holy of Holies, a place where no human being has ever been able to be invited before. Thank you, Lord. 
your kingdom come, your will be done as it is in heaven, so also on the earth. This is an invitation to kingdom living. This is a proclamation that we surrender to God's sovereignty and his will. This is a prayer. This is the part of the prayer that we get to invite kingdom life into our hearts. A kingdom way into our hearts. That we get transplanted into a whole new kingdom. Your kingdom. Your will be done. His will is the same on heaven as it is on earth. There is no confusion. There's no different agenda. God is single-minded when it comes to His creation to redeem it. He is single-minded. The same thoughts that He has in heaven towards His creation and the same thoughts that He has here, He is here to redeem His sons and daughters and bring them into the family of God so they can be up close and personal, know His heart, and be forever changed. That is the kingdom of God. Up close and personal. John 3.17 For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. The world is broken. The world is damaged. The world is distorted. Prayer invites us into this struggle and says, Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come into me so that I can proclaim what you have proclaimed forgiveness, healing, provision, mercy, love. So I can proclaim the things of the king. Prayer invites us into this struggle. By acknowledging His kingdom, His rule, His sovereignty over every aspect of our lives. Give us day by day our daily bread. That word give means deliver, commit to. The word bread means the bread of our necessity. It also talks about the bread that is Consecrated for the love feast. I love this. This is an invitation to a daily walk of love and faith with our Father while we're proclaiming where our provision comes from. Jesus is saying here that praying for our provision, praying for our daily bread is a good thing. Our Father is a practical God who works in supernaturally practical ways. We haven't made a lot of this known, but when we've been walking through this adventure with Christine, there's been a lot of other medical costs. There's been a lot of other costs associated with it. We haven't prayed uh, except to ourselves for provision. We haven't announced it. We haven't talked about it. And I'm telling you, our Father knows we've had many, many, many bills paid by other people without our knowing. Our Father knows. Our Father provides. And it's okay to pray for these things. Our Father wants us to pray for these things because He is committed to providing for us. 
Matthew 6, 31 through 33 says this, Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I think prayer teaches us to be satisfied with the Father's provision and not to hunger or thirst for anything more than his heart. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The word forgive there means to send away. That word indebted means something that is owed to you, something that someone owes you. And it usually is talking about money, but it also means that someone that has failed you. And so you hold them in debt. And in that phrase there it says, For we ourselves forgive someone, anyone, some people. No, it says everyone. And the Greek word means everyone. This is an invitation to walk in grace and forgiveness. Prayer is an invitation to learn how to love. The cross made a way to be forgiven and a way to forgive. Romans 5, 8 says, But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still what? Sinners. A kingdom person becomes a forgiving person. We don't hold any grudges. We don't hold any resentment. No bitterness. We don't keep a score. We forgive everyone. Because that's the way of the king. And we proclaim the forgiveness that we've received. And lead us. That word means carry into not into temptation, and that word really means trial or test, but deliver, to rush in, to draw to oneself, to rescue us from evil. This is a great word picture. This whole picture that the, that the writer is trying to convince here is talking about when it says to rush in. It's actually if you were caught in a fast-moving current and just carried away. That's the kind of rescue he's talking about here. He's talking like you're in trouble and all of a sudden, you're just carried away. So quick. So fast. So unbelievably unknown to yourself. You're just carried away by it. That's what he's talking about. A current of love. This is an invitation to trust the Father no matter what the situation is. And this is a proclamation of knowing God's purposes are good. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, The temptations in your life are no difficult from what others experience. And God is faithful. 
He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you may endure. Hmm. There are trials and there's tests, but the Father always clearly marks the exit route. He rushes in, draws us to Himself, and to me, that's the ultimate rescue. So, the Lord's Prayer, I think, is this huge invitation to fall in love with God again. I want to read you one more quote. Listen to this. By St. John Venene. Prayer is the inner bath of love into which the soul plunges itself. Prayer is the inner bath of love into which the soul plunges itself. I think we get so caught up with Prayer sometimes like, oh, I didn't pray today. I didn't spend an hour in prayer today. I didn't spend the day in prayer like I wanted to. We get so wrapped up in the amount of time in the, our devotion to it. And it becomes such a duty to us that we lose sight of the love that's involved. Instead of approaching prayer with that mindset, it's about love. That we've been invited into this wonderful covenant of love. So when we pray, we are having a love exchange between us and the creator of the universe. We are, we are exchanging our wishes with our Father who cares about us who desires for us to be free, who desires for us to be healthy and whole, to have our minds clear, to have us free from fear. This is the great God who loves us and wants us to pray to Him, not because He demands some kind of communication so He can tell us what to do. No, it is about love. It's about love. And it's always been about love. And it always will be about love. So I hope maybe we can approach prayer with a different mindset after today. Yeah, we should pray. Of course we should. We should pray without ceasing, the Bible says. It also says, I wish that all men would pray. Many things about prayer. Jesus goes on to tell this wonderful story about a friend who has a visitor late at night and he doesn't have anything to feed him, so he goes to his other friend and starts banging on the door and says, Lord, give me some bread. Man. I've got to feed this guy. The guy's in bed. He doesn't want to get up. But because this guy persists, he gets out and gives him everything. I think the guy was asking for three loaves. The guy gave him everything, he said. Ask, seek, knock, the scriptures say. There's persistence there. But because there's love there. We ask because we know he loves us. 
We seek because we know he loves us. We knock because we know he loves us. And we know, and it goes on to say in that, in that passage that doesn't your father want to give you everything? Yes, he does. So, can we make this about love? I think God has a challenge for us for the month of February. I sense a call for us as a church to fast and pray for the month of February. There are many things to pray for. We prayed for some of them today. We need to pray for Jody Sloss. She's got some tests coming up. There's many, multiple healings that we can pray for, for people who have relational issues, financial issues. There's so much just in this little building. And then we have this thing called an election coming up. Where there doesn't seem to be a leader to vote for. And how sad that could be. Yet, our Father asks us to pray about it. To seek His face. Repent from our ways. So I'm going to ask, as one of the leaders of this church is to... Wow, that's pretty good. I put out there by the giving box just a little little prayer calendar okay, for you to take, maybe as a reminder. If you could just maybe pick a day or time, a week, whatever. It doesn't have to be every day. But you would set aside some time to fast and pray for the things that you know about in this church, of course, for our nation, of course. But whatever God lays on your heart, let's just make a concentrated family effort to fast and pray together. And I just made this just as maybe it would help you out that you could mark on the days and maybe just mark what... You know what I would suggest? I would suggest that you keep a pad of paper nearby and that you would just listen to God. Have this exchange of wishes with him. Because I'm expecting that God's going to speak to you on a personal level and maybe for something for the corporate level as well. I believe God is asking us to do this. But I believe he wants us to do it because of this. Jeremiah 31.3 says this, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with unfailing That is the heart we're responding to. Everlasting love. Unfailing kindness. Who wouldn't want to respond to a heart like that? With love. With an exchange of love. So, we're going to, for the next February, we're we're going to talk about prayer a lot. We're, We're just going to hit prayer every week, as many weeks as we can, until we think God's has stopped talking to us about prayer, which he probably never does. But for this season, we're really going to we're going to talk about all different kinds of prayer. We're going to hit prayer a lot <laughs> because I really feel like God is asking us to, but to, to really kind of change our mindset towards this, you know, change our heart towards this. That is, you know, this can we just get duty out of this? Can we just leave that behind? Because you know what? If you love someone, you will do whatever whatever you need to do in order to love that person. 
You're not worried about duty when you love someone. Because you're loving them. So let's just, let's put aside duty for, for a while. We are faithful sons and daughters of the Most High. We're going to do what is right. That's a given. In my mind. But let's love Him. Let's, let's, you know, a couple of weeks ago I talked about returning to our first love. Man, we need that. We need Him to break our hearts. To expose them in order to bring out stuff that needs to be healed and forgiven and getting rid of. We need this exchange of wishes. We desperately need I need it. 52 years of walking with him, I still need to exchange some wishes. I do. There are things about prayer I still don't understand. There's things about my father I still don't understand. But when we approach Him with love in our hearts, when we approach prayer with love, when we see His kingdom, see His power, see His majesty, His holiness, but we're not scared of those things. They draw us to Him. And we know that that power, that majesty, that kingship is all covered with love and everything He does. Is with love. Amen. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that you have instructed us and cared for us so as a father. And that's what you want to do. You want to love us as Abba Father. So Father, we submit ourselves to that. We give ourselves to that. We surrender to that as a corporate body, as a family. Help us as individuals to do this, Lord. To see you as Father. So we surrender ourselves. We say thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your unfailing kindness towards us. Oh, thank you for that. So bless all of us. Bless us as we go throughout our week. I pray for healing. I pray for restoration. I pray for release of finances and provision. Bless your sons and daughters. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.